this is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. As usual, I'm Nico, and I'm joined by my good friend, Sam. And this is our final episode in our um, season on, on racism. Um, and in this episode, we haven't read a specific book. We did some extra research. We listened to some opinion makers in the space. And today, we are gathering our thoughts on what we've learned in the, in the past months and how our opinions changed. How are you doing, Sam? Doing well. Still uh, in a bit of recovery from my mountain climbing escapades over last week, uh, <laughs> to be honest. So did you feel like uh, you learned a lot last month, specifically about the whole subject of racism and everything surrounding it? Yeah, loads. Definitely, because I felt like I was a bit more in tune with like equality around sexual equality and stuff mm-hmm. and like i've been reading the economist's book mega change which is about like what's going to change in the world before 2015 it's got like it's got a huge section on like women it's got a huge section on like health and pandemics and things and it's, it's really mm-hmm. on point but it hasn't really got much about racism and stuff mm-hmm. and then you're like guys this is this a book written 10 years ago but it's actually mostly quite accurate but it's kind of funny that people just sort of felt that we'd done most things and there's still quite a lot of stuff missing mm-hmm. and just how the world works which is what, what we're kind of going to go into here and like how people perceive things versus what things really are and stuff that makes us angry so it's just been really interesting on how like effects sort of gather and make stuff happen in terms of like there's been lots of videos of police brutality before why does stuff happen now and there's lots of other videos that we're not even watching about other things that go on that may be much worse or yeah how statistics aren't really shown to us in, in equal measure mm-hmm. that makes sense who knows yeah so it's been been really insightful and i feel slightly more woke and able to speak on the topic mm-hmm. yeah i think indeed uh, if the more statistics or statistical evidence or, or facts you know the more ready you feel to go into a discussion yeah all right because otherwise you're you're saying things and they're asking like do you have proof of that and like if you don't have any stats ready then it's hard to push like or or to credibly um, assert any fact mm. so one of the main points or one of the first points i'd like to make is uh, is a bit go to go back to our first episode where you were uh, joking about the fact that we are two white dudes discussing a topic mm. of racism and i felt like a bit awkward in doing that in, in being a white person and, and trying to voice my opinion on racism. But in, you know, doing my research and reading all the books, I actually now feel that the color of your skin doesn't matter if you want to have a sensible discussion on racism. I, I feel like in today's world, people that have suffered more feel or, or appear to have like the moral, moral high ground. Mm. And you cannot have a discussion about a sensitive topic with someone who has suffered more because they'll always uh, be able to push their suffering in your face and make it so that you like, they'll be able to tell you like, oh, but you know, you don't know what it is. So you can't have an opinion on this. Mm. And I've came to the realization that I I disagree with that point of view. And I think that 
anyone who has a sense about what's right, what's moral and what's ethically correct can have a, a sensible discussion. And I think everyone can have a sensible opinion about something because this is a topic that involves everyone. Do you agree or completely disagree? I agree that you shouldn't judge people for past mistakes of others. So like, as in, you shouldn't talk to people who are German now and call them Nazis or something. And like, it's sort of completely silly. But mm -hmm. I think if you've been through something, it is different to having not been through it. Like the whole like Vietnam, you weren't there, man. And so it's like, I haven't had these sorts of injustices against me at all. So it's, it's really hard to gauge. And I would say like, I broke my femur. It's, it's rated as more painful than pregnancy, but I, I sort of would feel a bit bad saying that to me because I've never, I've never like tried to give birth. And so I wouldn't want to discredit the pain that a woman maybe goes through during that process. And so mm -hmm. it depends on, on how you sort of explain it. I think you can still have an opinion on, how bad something is and what should be done about it but it's sometimes hard to relate exactly to what it's like because there's when it's something like so consuming as being judged and things it's it's a hard one to really gauge and also things affect people in very different ways as well so some people will like have like a few bad moments that can affect the rest of their life or in the same way that like maybe sort of someone might suffer some abuse at the hands of like a man like twice in a row and then just like they hate all men or something it's kind of like if you have that a few times due to race you might just feel like you're in a very very racist world and give you a, a horrible picture of the world that you're in which isn't accurate but you can understand how it happens and develops and how it can be very debilitating for someone but you sort of might not think that it's something to really worry about and so I'd find it hard to really conceive that in my own brain because I sort of don't react like that to things So yeah, I'm I'm agreeing and disagreeing all at once, and I am. It depends on what you would think. The I certainly agree that yes, you can have opinions and speak about it, and do your most, do your best, and you shouldn't be judged for trying to have an opinion. Basically, I think everyone should talk about it and speak about it, and that that it would be bad to sort of be saying things that would stop that from happening. I like that last part. Yeah, we should be trying to have opinions. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, the amount that someone suffered doesn't make their opinion better or worse mm. or shouldn't have an effect on that. And, and just to give, to give an example why I think that's true, like there's a discussion with quotas for people of different races in terms of allowing them to get, get into a certain type of uh, school or university. Mm. Um, I think this is particularly the case in, in, in the US where if, if you're Asian, like your, I think it's called a GPA has to be way higher to get into the Ivy League universities than if you're another minority, like black or Hispanic. Mm. And so it is true that um, on average, black or Hispanic people have suffered more, but it is also a fact that in a class, if you have, let's say 30 people of which 29 are ultra intelligent and of which one got in because of a quota system and is significantly less intelligent than the others, then the average quality of the education that the others receive, well, that the whole class receives goes down. Mm. So classes usually work. It's not completely the case, obviously, but it's like a sort of weakest link system where if you have a few people who are way lower level than the others, then the others will actually receive a, a less good education. And so there, I think, a sensible discussion is, is needed and possible because just because that 
minorities suffer more doesn't immediately make their opportunity for a better um, education ethically above the rights of the others to have a decent or, or a good education as well. Yeah, yeah, it should just be like a level playing field rather than a, yeah. But again, this is where it gets confusing because it's like, well, is it a level playing field if the white kids have rich parents that like give them other benefits and stuff? But mm-hmm. yeah, technically speaking, in a classroom, you should sort of be around people at the same level and you shouldn't just be there like bring other people down if you're not actually able to do stuff. Yeah, I think um, I, I agree. Getting people the best education possible is is good. But if giving one person a better education means that another person get a, gets a worse education, I think we should be able to have a discussion on that. And like having that discussion, I think someone's suffering doesn't trump someone else, someone else's non-suffering necessarily. Yeah, if it can be done so that person still gets like the education that they deserve, then yes. I think... Yep. In some ways, I would say perhaps the opposite of what you've just said in terms of if someone's not going to get an education unless they go to somewhere where they perhaps bring someone down a little bit, it's better mm. for like the two people to have both a good average education than for one person to have a great education and one person to have none. Um, Fully agree. But then yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we should be able to have a discussion on that, right? Yeah, yeah. But we should. It's not that clear cut and you should be able to get stuff like the sort of the best education to the further right level and opportunities. Yes. Uh, good. <laughs> All right. The second point I'd like to discuss is uh, we've read a few books on racism and I had the impression that each different book saw or defined racism as being something different. Like mm. they all had different definitions of racism. To give an example, I think White Fragility, they talked about a spectrum that everyone fell on and the spectrum, like it, and it depended on their implicit bias as like uh, compared to other people of different races, like how far, how, how racist they were or, or how non-racist they were. But even the author herself, who I must admit has come quite far in getting rid of, uh, of racism in herself, still feels that she is in some way still racist. And so that's, that's, the, the, that's how white fragility saw it. And then if you look at Kendi, so he wrote the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, and he spoke of more of a binary so it's not a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you were like racist or anti-racist depending on the policies you supported. And so policies that worked to decrease racial, uh, racial disparities were seen as anti-racist, whereas policies that worked to increase racial disparities were seen as racist. And there it's, it's more clear-cut and more binary. Mm-hmm. And then the other book we read called Discrimination and Disparities by Thomas Sobel. He did not explicitly discuss racism, but he did discuss three different types of discrimination. And so it's like discrimination 1A, 1B, and discrimination 2. And so if you want to know what those are, feel free to listen to our previous episode. But in general, I I feel like what he meant means in his book is that for him, racism is discrimination 2, which means that you discriminate towards a group because because of a personal negative impression or feeling towards that specific group yeah, yeah. Um, and and this is as opposed to discrimination 1b which is discrimination towards a group based on known character and empirically based and and factually based statistical knowledge of that group prior knowledge of that group mm. so for example if i decide okay uh, sam i don't want to be friends with you anymore because you're blonde and blonde people have shown to be um, more prone to doing mean things to their friends 
uh, statistically speaking, and there's a lot of evidence backing that up, that would be discrimination 1B. Uh, but if I say, okay, Sam, I don't want to be your, friends anymore, your friend anymore because you're blonde, and I think blonde people are stupid um, and silly and annoying, that would be seen as dis- discrimination 2. Yeah. So in the case of racism, Thomas Sowell would argue that discrimination 2 is racism and discrimination 1B not necessarily. Mm. And so I, well, if, if you would have to, if someone asks you what is racism, what would your personal uh, view be there? I guess I would still say 1B is kind of racism because it puts a race together and it judges them when the individuals aren't always like that because of even well, like the white people example okay yes let's say we live in a world where people who are blonde are statistically more likely to like cheat you and do bad things it doesn't mean that they're all going to so you shouldn't judge them straight up you should still give people the opportunity at which point mm-hmm. you're still kind of being a racist if you judge them on those qualities but if you're sort of if you're not allowed to look at the quality so like on thomas he goes deeper into it so I think he gave the example of like young black males who have a criminal record. So if someone's got a criminal record, you maybe don't want to employ them. So they stop letting people do criminal record checks, but because so many more young black males had a criminal record, employers then just wouldn't employ young, young black males because they couldn't actually check to see if they were criminals or not. So they just didn't employ any of them. And it sort of almost allows like more in depth. So if you can, look at these blonde people and see okay these are the ones that have a history of cheating and being horrible and these are the mm. ones that are nice you can sort of have the time for it but otherwise you kind of want to be more efficient and you can't see the data and so it's kind of racist and so he goes into the policies for like that are accidentally racist and so i guess i still feel that accidentally racist is racist because it ends up being unfair on someone so i guess where i would define racism is anywhere where you're making some judges judgments unfairly when you don't know the specifics of that specific person i guess whereas before i was more of the type two where i was like well much as i wasn't really aware of how type 1b worked if that makes sense so Mm -hmm. i obviously would have agreed with type 1b i think as being racist like if you're judging someone but i just didn't really like understand that we're doing it a lot by accident so that's where I'd say I feel more wake from all these books is that like just the accidentally judging people when you don't even realize you're doing it kind of thing. Mm. Um, whereas before I just thought racist is like what I'd call someone who was an absolute dick who was just sort of saying lots of racist jokes and judging people who's, ne- who's never met and that kind of thing. So yeah, that hopefully that sounds kind of clear, isn't it? Or how, how about you? Are you saying that you're now going backwards towards like, okay, actually I preferred racism when it was just like the term that was like fully the classic term of like someone's going to be wearing a KKK gear and and (laughs) claiming Mm -hmm. that we should like hang people just for being their skin color. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that what you were thinking is racist? Yeah, actually, uh, I think indeed I disagree with you on this specific point. So I realized like for me, I don't consider uh, a company, uh, let's say the example of the criminal background checks. So a company used to do criminal background checks and at some point, a policy forbid them to do that. And they actually started hiring fewer black people because of that, because they couldn't check anymore if a person had a criminal record. And so so for them, it made way more sense to just discard all black people altogether because they had a very, like a way higher chance of, of having a criminal record. Mm. And so they actually, they wanted to check the, their criminal backgrounds 
yeah, yeah. Um, but they weren't allowed to anymore. And so for me, that company is not racist. I don't consider that company racist. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're, yeah, they're morally racist, but they're like accidentally racist. Whereas, so, so I'm saying that accidentally racist is still racist, but I would prefer, I would prefer a different term for that. Like, mm. just because of the word racist, even though they, all these books are trying to change the way, so you, you think of it in like a more fair way, so you can just talk about someone as being racist without mm. judging them in like a really bad way but perhaps it's better to not <laughs> try and like change the term of racism and just leave it racism as it's like this company is a bunch of white people that should be in the kkk and actually have it as okay that's what racism means and then we can have something being like this is just slightly unethical judgment of, of a group <laughs> and then mm. and they could be more sort of fair towards the individuals and have something that sort of <laughs> meant that <laughs> that you're accidentally yeah. like grouping people because if you can't do individual judgments but you would like to <laughs> yeah. no but I, I i agree because we're not talking about like what's the definition of a certain word right yeah which doesn't really say, say much about what we agree with what kind of policies or actions we agree with or not but i'm just saying that i think because racism has such a negative connotation i will try and only use the word when it's sick when it shows like severe negative bias yeah um, towards a certain group that's why i, I specifically uh, preferred this this very strict or narrow definition because i think we've talked about this in the previous episodes for example if you follow kendi kendi in uh, how to be an anti-racist like he would consider i think the policy that actually forced or prohibited companies to do criminal background checks he would consider that an anti-racist policy because the idea was that it would help young black males get mm. jobs right in reality however it's actually resulted in black males young black males having a more difficult time finding jobs and so that's why like i think that the idea behind a policy and its reality is is often well thomas Sowell showed this is quite often very different mm. um, and that's why i think that it's 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 probably safer to use a pretty narrow definition of racism yeah, um, definitely. to be able to talk about the, talk the same language. And I fully agree that there is more vocabulary needed in this space. Yeah. Yeah. I think because of that. Yeah. As, in, as you said, like each book kind of struggled and sort of put a different thing and, and blamed a lot of the problems on the fact that we have different ways of talking about it because well, we can't talk about the fact that we're being accidentally racist and stuff or tell someone that they're being racist when they don't understand the definition. So if I'm trying mm -hmm. to tell you that, oh, you're accidentally like being a little bit racist, but you think that I'm trying to say that you are like a, a bad person. Yeah, a horrible person that's trying to string people up from the trees. You're like, oh my God, I'm not talking to Sam anymore. He just judges me with all these things that I haven't done when I'm actually just trying to help you be a slightly nicer person. And, mm -hmm. and so what's the point of trying to fight a language and things when, when you're already trying to fight lots of preconceptions anyway, it's just adding another thing that you don't need to be fighting if you can do something different and more smart um, mm -hmm. around it, I guess. So yeah, probably yeah. <laughs> there's some better words for it and we should try and think of those words that we can yeah. boil down a paragraph's worth of explanation into one word would be, would be yeah, the perfect yeah, situation. I think it, like a, sort, a, a term could be like an unfairly discriminatory, something like that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Unwoke. <laughs> Unwoke, yeah. Yeah, you can be racist, you can be woke, or you can be the one in the middle where you're like not racist, but you're also not woke. Yeah. But also I think I find that putting like a stamp on someone, you're 
boom, you're racist or boom, you're not racist is also yeah. not true. And that's what I learned from the book, White Fragility. I, I think that's yeah, yeah. racism is, is a spectrum <laughs> and is also not per se like on the, the good, bad binary. So I'm, I'm, I still have like racist tendencies and with a very bad and narrow definition of racism that I talked about earlier. Like I still, I think in some subtle ways, negatively perceive people of other races and I, I realize that I, I cannot give you too many examples right yeah. now. Yeah, that's a big statement. <laughs> yeah, but I, and I, and I really think it's 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 something you do. You don't realize it, but I I can still I think if I if I was able to analyze every single thought that I have very deeply, I think I would be able to find some proof whenever I'm mm. walking down the street and see people do stuff that I don't agree with and stuff. Yeah, certainly. As in, we're all hardwired to like quickly put people into categories in the same way that if you see some guy playing the violin on the side of the street you're probably not going to stop and watch it or think there's like huge value whereas it could be the same guy that's playing like the most prestigious venue that evening where you'd pay like two thousand pounds a ticket but you judge mm. them instantly on what they're doing because that's just because mm-hmm. you're a human and it's mm-hmm. the same with you know what people are wearing if they look a bit like they're homeless like you're probably thinking that like you're not going to give them time of well <laughs> you might just be sort of worried that like crap they're probably going to ask for money and i don't really feel like giving this person money because i'm going to change and like i don't really want to go to the bank to give them money or whatever and maybe they are like the ceo of some company next door and then they just sort of looking kind of silly um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you do just do these things so yeah i guess we're always judging yes cool the third uh, point i'd like to discuss and and this follows from listening to the other sam harris's you know, the, for now, uh, a little yeah, bit more they're, they're not so good at anything. <laughs> he hasn't climbed dangerous mountains. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So he had an episode, I think, it called Can We Pull Back From The Brink? Mm. Where he discusses uh, everything that happened in with George Floyd. Yeah. And the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we were like a little bit worried about discussing uh, Black Lives Matter. He He fully went in on the whole like, guys we're being really stupid <laughs> we're not thinking mm-hmm. about this properly and he, he says some very controversial things for i mean he's not been afraid of saying controversial stuff but he um mm-hmm. yeah at a time when everyone was just like yeah great let's not say anything like all lives matter and i think he was like no all lives matter like <laughs> we're being stupid and yeah it was a very heavy hitting interesting episode did he, did he say all lives matter i he, he made the point that like it's ridiculous that that people getting fired for this when like yeah. clearly this is the better thing this is like the important thing about the world is that like we treat everyone equally and like we've kind of lost our heads here and they're being a bit silly yeah anyway so the the, the points I'd, I'd like to discuss here is, is the point that he made that the whole black lives matter was fueled by a feeling that as a black person in the u.s if you encountered police your life was at risk like you had like a super high chance of getting shot basically mm. and so that was the the general feeling by the the black community and the international community and the world community and that was the, the global narrative and so he pointed out that statistically speaking that is actually not true yeah so what he said is and so this i got this from his podcast so about a thousand people get shot every year in the us by the police 50 percent of the people that get shot are white 25% of the people that get shot are black. And so this has remained relatively stable throughout the years. What is another interesting point that he made was that of the people 
getting shot or of the black people getting shot, the majority of the black people getting shot are actually getting shot by other black people or Hispanic cops. What is also a, a fact is that black people on average get treated um, more harshly than other races by the police. So whenever as a black person you get detained, like you're more likely to get pushed to the floor, pushed against a wall, being handcuffed without reason, etc. And so in general, I think what he wanted to point out is that because of the media, so much attention has been put on some events while other events have been ignored. And the events that were picked to go viral were the ones that fueled this, this big outrage and, and all these riots, while the facts that were not shown, which are also quite relevant or actually very relevant, deserve at least as much attention. And I think for some reason, the media is like picking what like people are going to be talking about especially yeah, yeah, they, they pick what creates a reaction like it's it's yeah. not a business it's, it's not an entity designed for sharing your truth it's designed for sharing mm. you what you pick up and yeah so people obviously react and you know they can sort of share this with their friend and be like oh my god have you read this today and you're more likely to go and like read that as well yourself if it's something shocking than if it's mm-hmm. exactly like 100 clear stuff so um not very useful for being an aware human about the actual world exactly because if you think about the statistics that we just talked about like the picture of police is basically trying to kill all black people in Mm. the us becomes a whole lot different you know if you know that white people are more likely to get shot by the police and there's also quite a lot of videos like the one of george floyd of white people that nobody knows about yeah yeah which is sort of ridiculous that there's obviously twice as many white people being killed by police, so that there should be twice as many videos of how scary it is to be a white person being arrested by the cops, but like you've never seen those things. Um, mm-hmm. As in, there, there is the point, obviously, that people make that black people only make up 13% of the population, so if they're in, killed 25% of crimes, then that's unfair, but actually, if you go even further into the data, they actually commit 50% of murders and two-thirds of violent crime in cities so technically speaking they should be killed more (laughs) if if people do those things and the people that are going to get killed during an arrest so in some ways it's sort of like you're safer to commit violent crime as a black person than you are as a white person statistically but yeah it's kind of odd and we obviously just Mm. have no awareness of these things because if all we see is the videos of things going wrong for black people yeah yeah and and so I think that the biggest problem with this is that it pulls away the focus from like deeper issues. Yeah. Yeah. It just creates fear and more anytime you do see something, you think, Oh, it's someone being racist or as soon as you are. So the, the the point that Sam Harris Harris makes in his podcast is that he, he says that the cries to defund the police are ridiculous Mm. and like even the bullish, the police that people saying that doesn't make any sense. And I, I think I agree with that. And I think that, Defunding the police slightly and demilitarizing the police might make sense. But of course, I don't live in the US and in the US, there's like way more guns. Yeah. There's more guns than our people and stuff. So definitely safe. So, but I I do think that the focus on the whole story of racism shouldn't be focused on black people getting killed by cops, by racist cops. I think it should be focused somewhere else. And so we can, we can talk about like, how to solve racism according to our limited knowledge yeah definitely uh, in a later point in, if you think about imagine your life where 
you don't think that you're going to get killed by a cop versus where you do, you're actually like sort of creating racist injustice on yourself by thinking that this is going to happen just because of you're making your mm. life more scared than it should be. So it's kind of like a self-inflicting problem if you're kind of constantly attuned to these things and just looking out for all of this data and like you're just going to be like shit scared next time you do it and more likely to like do something stupid if you're like oh well maybe this cop's gonna like pull me over i know i'll run away or something and then you make things five times worse for yourself Um, exactly yeah what he he also talked about is that because of the current feeling that all cops are racist like people that are black will feel like they have the right to um, resist arrest because they'll always have in the back of their mind oh yeah the cop's probably racist because that's yeah yeah on tv the whole time to like talk back or be exactly exactly and so this might actually well this will likely result in you acting worse when you're being detained by a cop so yeah anyway i think i think it's interesting to to think about this and to because to be honest before we started this season i was fully on board with the whole um idea that as a black person like it's dangerous to go out in the streets and whatever you see a cop car you should hide it and stuff i i really believe it until i I, I looked into it more and I looked at the facts and it's, it's quite crazy how, how, how much we're influenced by the information we get. Mm, definitely. Good. All right. Fourth point that I'd like to make. So I think in the first or second episode on this, in this season, we talked about like, are humans able to live with other races? Is multiculturalism possible? Mm-hmm. Is a multicultural society possible? And I questioned that back then. And I, uh, I actually could see a world where it's impossible because we as humans have evolved to be slightly xenophobic where you prefer your own group over others. And although I, I still can imagine that to be true, I, I actually think that we are not born racist. And I think it is possible to live in a multicultural society. What I do think is that humans are not very good at dealing with uh, people who are culturally different. Mm. So with which I mean, like if people of different skin colors live together and they had exactly like the same culture, which might be impossible, I don't know, but I think there have been some successful uh, examples of that. I think that would work pretty well. What I think is more difficult is having people with significantly different cultures and different skin colors live together. And so, yeah, that's where I think uh, many problems arrive. So I think the problem is not necessarily with color of skin, but more with like the, the belief system. Um, mm. etc yeah definitely so as in when I was at school we had like Asian kids there but there were the Asian kids that felt more British and they'd like hang out mm. and do all the cool things and there was the Asian kids that were more typically Asian and they like wouldn't spend much time talking to you and they'd just be working the whole time and like we didn't necessarily judge the ones that weren't cool kids so much as being like not nice so we just didn't spend that much time hanging out with them or anything and mm-hmm. it wasn't uh, like anything to do with color as such but you just like noticed who you were like and who you wanted to hang out with kind of thing. And yeah, I think if you grow up where you experience all different colors, but everyone was of a type, well, just had the same habits, you wouldn't really notice any color differences, but you'd still notice the difference of like other people who'd grown up in a different place, even if they're all different colors, but had different habits and and such. Mm -hmm. And you'd be kind of against them because of where they're from. Yeah. And I think different cultures also sometimes have like, very profound different values in life mm. in general uh, to give you an example i'm i i have very like a lot of difficulties wrapping my head around like men expecting their women to 
like not show themselves to other men and to you know like dress very or decent or cover themselves and stuff. I have a very difficult time having a normal conversation with someone who has such different beliefs than myself. And that's just me, but I think most humans have that. Like if, if someone has like, if someone likes to like do crazy stuff, like hurt, hurt animals, for example, for fun, like it's very difficult for me to, to think of that person as, as a normal human being and, and become friends with them. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Doesn't seem quite right. Yeah. So I think in conclusion, societies can work very well with the, with the same culture and different skin colors. I think the, the difficulties arise when different um, people of different skin color or not even necessarily different skin color have significantly different cultures and different values and different ways to look at life and each other, et cetera. Mm. I think there the difficulties arise. And, and then on top of that, I think the, the point you were making uh, before uh, shortly was that we are like pattern finders, pattern seekers. And so one of the mistakes I feel that humans make is that they see like five examples of people of a certain um, culture or skin color do something bad and they are very fast to extra extrapolate that to like the whole group and i think as humans that's something we're wired to do yeah just because we evolved that way and that's not helping us in becoming less racist so that's mm. also some, something that personally i need need to work on and i think most people also like it, it makes it harder to become to have like a very non-racist multicultural or multi-race society yeah, definitely. Then um, I think that the last point I'd like to discuss with you is can we do something about racism or what can we do about racism? And Yes, yes, we can. <laughs> All right. What's, what can we do, Sam? Tell us. Well, we can, like we've just been saying, be a bit more aware of like, our judgments and be open to things initially. Mm -hmm. We can be, I think, slightly anti-racist policies. I'm not sure like quotas exactly, but certainly when you've got the option of say employing a white person or a black person and they're just as good on, on, on everything. Like I probably, I think I'm probably going to be going for the black person lately and mm -hmm. trying to mm -hmm. give more views to these. So certainly like investors in these things can, can put a lot more time into like actually hearing black founders and finding ways to get people running these things. I think some things that are kind of hard is in, if I'm looking for someone to found a business with, I obviously just know so many more white people and you don't really want to just start a business with someone you've just met. And so that's pretty inconvenient. If like I wanted to hire to start a business with someone who is black, because I just don't know enough black people to suddenly do that. Cause like my current business I started with my friend who I've known since I was 10 and there's not many black people that are like that. I, I genuinely remember the first black kid that came to my school when I was like 13 and he was like mm. three years below me and I don't really, didn't really ever speak to him, but I just remember that he appeared because he was black and it was like, yeah, wow, there's a black kid around now. That's cool. So yeah, my network there is, isn't huge. So yeah, there are some things we can do uh, and reading like we've done lots of it to feel more woke and having discussions with yourself, your, your friends, other black people about what you can do, general sort of policies and things being more anti-racist and picking up on people when they are being racist some some helpful stuff mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh voting yeah that's the that's the other one you can not vote for trump and vote for <laughs> for anyone who isn't trump that's a good start yeah. <laughs> obviously trying to vote for more black people or people who are more ethically 
equality sort of mm-hmm. focused. Mm-hmm. And from a policy perspective, let's say you can run a country, where would you focus your attention? So I would look more at the details of the results than the uh, <laughs> good sounding policies, like not letting people look at specifics of things like criminal backgrounds, if it helps them hire, if they need to just not have people who are criminals. So mm. yeah, I definitely think there are things that you can do around stuff, but I don't think a heavy hand on things is, is as useful as people say, as, uh, as people expect perhaps. And in some ways it's more, yeah, as you're saying around like the education like, upfront early, giving people like closing the inequality gap. So if you're born into a rich family, you're always going to have good opportunities. If you're born into like, a low income family, you're just going to have a lot less. So how can you make sure that the people in low income get a better education and still have equal opportunities to do well? Because they're not going to have the network as such, but can you? what else can you do for them? So I think focusing more there rather than things that are sort of less fair later on would probably be the best. Uh, how about you? Are, you? are you feeling like there's not much that can be done? No, actually, I, I do feel like there's a lot that could be done. But I personally think that the focus should be less on outcomes and more on opportunities. And so I feel that in an, in an ideal society, the difference between being born lucky, you know, in a, in a, in a wealthy, high-income family and being born unlucky in a very poor family is like in a very unique, unequal society, that difference is huge. Mm. And so if you're born unlucky, your opportunities in life are severely limited. And I think that's uh, very unfair. And so for me, in an ideal society, whether you're born very lucky or very unlucky, based on your merits, you should be able to achieve uh, everything that you want. If you're good enough to run the country, even when you're born um, in the poorest family there is, I think if that opportunity exists, that will be an equal society. And I think mm. there, the story of racism or the problems with racism, I think, have a lot to do with poverty. And so if, if, if let's say, the, in America, if, if black people were richer on average than other races, I think there, we wouldn't talk that much about racism uh, or it wouldn't be perceived as such yeah, an issue. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so there I feel, I feel like the story of racism is like a story of helping the poor. And I feel that to increase someone's income level and general wealth starts with having a decent education. So in my feeling, education is key to solving the racism problems and focusing education, not necessarily on on black neighborhoods, but in general on poor neighborhoods. Because on average, poor neighborhoods are black neighborhoods or black neighborhoods are poor neighborhoods, let's put it that way. But I think that black neighborhoods or, or black people that are doing very well don't necessarily need any specific help. I think investment in education should be focused on in general poor neighborhoods with, without specifically looking at uh, the color of, of, of skin of, of people. And then I think in the ideal worlds, we would end up, and I think we discussed this before, you talked about earrings, I think, where yeah. um, like people, like, we would end up in a world where talking about the difference in people's skin, it would be the same as today if we were talking about, okay, in, in the government, how many people um, with blue eyes are there? How many people with brown eyes are there? How many people with green eyes are there? No one's asking these questions because it doesn't matter. 
because no one gets treated differently based on the color of their eyes. And there I feel that in an ideal society, we would be able to talk similarly or think similarly about the color of people's skin. So that's, that's my ideal society. And I think there it's, it's, it's possible, I believe, to get there. Mm, yeah, I agree. I think I'm still a bit confused to what the best way to do go about it is, but mm-hmm. certainly like drawing more and more attention to it isn't always helpful mm. in the senses. I mean, it's, yeah. I think it's just the main issue is like the income inequality that like if you're in a black household, you are like on average, they have about like 10 times less wealth than like a white household in America, which is like a huge difference. Mm. And it obviously is one of those things that if you're wealthier, it's just much easier to get wealthier. And mm-hmm. so trying to make that as fair as possible is, is the one goal of it. And the other side is trying to make people feel less oppressed or anything and not talking about it as a thing that has any kind of judgment because it is like a superficial characteristic and has nothing to do with your abilities as such. And so talking about it as if it is a thing, it just only makes it a thing in the same way that, let's say if like a politician or something has an accusation made about him, but then even if I told you that Boris Johnson is not a rapist, but he has been accused of rape, you're already thinking that maybe he's a bit of a a rapist, even though Mm -hmm. he isn't just because even though, Mm -hmm. even in the the actual thing where I tell you about the thing, that it isn't a thing, you still think it's a bit of a thing. So just talking about race, like it's a bit of a thing, even though we're saying it's not a thing already, like makes you feel like it's a thing. And it's just like, it's a confusing Mm. psychological issue with humans. So the more Mm -hmm. you talk about it, it just doesn't help. (laughs) So if you just don't Mm -hmm. think, if you just like completely didn't even acknowledge anything, you just wouldn't even have it as a thing to like think about. And you just wouldn't be like, oh, it's a black person. And they're the same as a white person. They're all humans. That's that. <laughs> Whereas if you kind of have stuff, it's like, they might be different, even though I know they're not different and stuff. It's just like, it doesn't help <laughs> your brain. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That being said, I think there's still some like type two discrimination racists yeah. out there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, I don't know how policies can negate the effects that these people have on like groups and decisions mm. and policies in general. So it's, it's, I think it's, it's a problem that it's not going to be easily solved. It's not going to be solved fast, but in my opinion, solving the whole issue starts early, you know, in life Yeah, definitely. for people make sure, like if you give everyone the same opportunities, I think it's, it's the best you can do to, to solve this. Mm. Yeah, so what do you think around that and then in terms of like inheritance and stuff? Because I'm starting to feel like <laughs> almost sort of communist or something in that, well, if everyone just started life on the same things, it would be a lot like fairer and people have, would have like more reasons to work for themselves. But then mm. then would you bother as you're getting old if like it doesn't really matter whether anyone gets mm. anything from the results of what you're doing? I'm, I'm, I'm not in favor of that. Mm. So I, I still believe that as a parent, you want the best for your kids. And that's something you cannot take away, I feel. Yeah. But I do feel that there shouldn't be like a minimum level of, of wealth of your parents for people to be able to achieve something, you know? Mm. Like it maybe it's, it's, it could help and it probably does help. And that's something that you will never be able to um, eradicate. If you go to a friend of your parents and ask that person for a job, it's going to be, it's going to be easier for you to get that job yeah. than someone that that person never knows. I mean, and that's something you will never be able to, to stop. Yeah, you can, and it's natural. Definitely, 
I mean, like Jay Z and Beyonce's kids, that they're probably going to like be be fairly rich. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, they're yes. having an all right life if that's yes. what they actually enjoy doing, kind of thing. Yeah. So, but you you will never be able to avoid that. But and I just think like give everyone everyone max maximal opportunities because I think knowing that whatever you like successfully do in life will have an effect on your children is an extra motivator. You know, mm. if you think that like, I'm going to work as hard as I can. Uh, and at the end of my life, um, everything that I earned will not go towards the, the people that I hold dearly, like my close family, it, but it will go back to the whole society. I think that will be uh, counterproductive in general. Yeah. Interesting. It's like humans being weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Building a society is basically taking into account all the limitations that humans have. Yeah, yeah. And trying to work around them. Maybe we start reading <laughs> like uh, 1984 and Brave New World and that kind of thing. So it's 1984, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should. Pretty we should fascinating. Do that. Yeah. Good. I think this episode is already long enough. Any closing remarks you'd like to make? Well, I think we've, we've said a lot of things, really. As in, mm-hmm. I think it's great to to read up on these things after all, even though what I said yeah. about like, listening to these things kind of attunes you to think stuff but i I mean if the people who are racist are always going to have a voice then it is worth listening to the opposite and Mm. and also like the radical center like sam harris and stuff Mm. (laughs) to get a much better picture yourself and try and ask yourself these questions and talk to Mm. others yes for sure exactly read discuss and don't be afraid to voice yeah. controversial opinions i mean you should be able to have a sensible discussion and having talking about something doesn't necessarily make make it so that mm. uh you stand behind it and that's something i've <laughs> i've had a lot of confrontations about yeah. all right so i think this rounds up this season this episode and this season and in the next season we will be delving into uh, a lot of philosophy books which yeah. is going to be interesting the ancient philosophers coming right up thank you very much for listening and speak to you next week yeah sweet thank you for listening to our podcast as you know we are doing this to try and help you get smarter well i have another project for podcast listeners just like you who want to be smart nico and i learned so much from reading the same things together and discussing them and i wanted there to be a tool that made it easy for anyone to listen to the same podcasts and books together with their friends so i'm building the app syncify which does just that. It connects you with your friends in the app. Listen to the same things at the same time. Or create shared playlists and work through them at your own pace. You can share comments and highlights of your favourite bits and become smarter by seeing what your friends think around the same content that you enjoy. As a bonus, it also helps with your mental health and reduces isolation. Personally, I hate publishing my life on social media, which I find all rather antisocial and I don't go out of my way to phone a friend for no reason other than the fact I feel lonely. But I do love doing things with other people, and having my friends listen to the same things is is really awesome. I mean, I used to speak to Nico like once a year before we started this book club together, and now we talk all the time because we're just doing something together. So do yourself a favour and sign up for the Syncify app at syncifyapp.com, and I really hope it helps. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show or learned anything new, be sure to share it with your friends. And I just can't tell you how great it is if you were to happen to leave a review on iTunes. These really do help quite a lot. 
If you have any questions or books that you'd like us to read, feel free to reach out to us through the website, wiserpod.com, or reach out to us on LinkedIn. And just keep loving and keep learning, and ideally, keep listening. Big love from Sam and Nico. And the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Thank you.